Hello, it's Rafaela here from ThreadUp. I continue to support the creative community through this crisis with all sessions now on video and phone calls. For details, please check threadup.co.uk. You can also find details of free check-ins I offer on my Twitter at threadup underscore and on Instagram and Facebook at threadup. Please share this. Somebody out there might need it. Stay safe and let's get through it together. Welcome to Psychomedy. I'm Nathan Cassidy, Bachelor of Science in Psychology, First Class Honours and Stand-Up Comedian. And today we bring you part two of our Best of the Clips Clip Show Special. Our favourite moments where we replay parts of our guest sets to help us get inside their heads, including Jake Yap, Nick Helm and Shazia Mirza. But let's start with the fantastic Stephen Bailey. What was so good about this clip? It shows just how much he commands the room, smashes it, as he often does. But as he later reveals, that didn't necessarily equate to multiple bookings. But let's have a listen to a clip of you uh, doing stand-up at the brilliant uh, Hot Water Comedy Club in Liverpool. I think it really sums up your style and how at ease you are with a crowd. I love how wasted you are. Um... I have never made a woman make that noise, but I want to do it again. I want to do it again. <laughs> I like you, bitch. Um, right. And anyway, this guy from Plenty of Fish, he actually sent me a picture of his penis and it just said, thinking of you. <laughs> and it was flaccid. Um, <laughs> I honestly can't catch a break. I can't, because all I want from life is a relationship like my parents, because they've been together forever because they're brother and sister. Um... That's why they don't come to the shows, you know? <laughs> um, I would just like to say that venue has not booked me since. <laughs> really? Yeah, I don't know why. That is, uh, that is confusing. You seem to be stormy there. I'm not scouts. Mm. The love of Liverpool. With Honestly, Stephen I could Bailey. sit here for three days. This this psychology shit is really good for me. <laughs> but, I mean, it seemed to be <laughs> great, and you seemed to be full of confidence there. And was the whole gig great? As as good it as was, that? Yeah, it was great. I mean, yeah. I probably didn't mention Brexit or being a vegan or something. <laughs> you know what it's like. Oh dear, Stephen, this is you're you're so every every time you speak, I have about twenty questions in my head. You're you're very rich. I'm not, I'm poor. Learn. I'm one of the poor ones. When they're all going around, I'm working class, I'm working class. I own three houses, two cars and a dog. I'm dying for a puppy and I don't know if I can afford to take it to the vet if it's ill. That's poor people. Well, actually, poor is probably worse than that, but that's, that's art poor. I'm with should, Katie Jarvis. You should gig more in Liverpool, they pay very well. Do they? <laughs> Particularly on the second time you're there. They pay really? three times as much if they really like you. Oh, my God. 
What is wrong with this industry? <laughs> the reaction comedians get online positive and unfortunately, but often, inevitably, the vile negative stuff comes up a lot on Psychomedy. When Shazia Mirza was on, we played clips of her set taken from YouTube to find out what she thought of the comments left on the post. Well, let's, um, let's maybe play a few clips now from your, uh, from your stand-up, which I know, as all comedians do, you'll be incredibly, uh, incredibly happy to <laughs> listen to yourself back, particularly from, from, particularly from gigs from a few years ago, maybe. But I this is just it. maybe just to give an idea. And now these are just quick one-liners, and I'm going to play these in just really to talk about comments that you're getting on YouTube, because these are two clips that you've got on YouTube or on your website. So the first one is from the Winnipeg... Comedy Festival in 2017. Mm. Let's have a listen to that. Obviously, Muslim men, they don't really want to marry me because I speak. <laughs> but uh, I am quite looking forward to my wedding day. I can't wait to meet my husband. <laughs> my friend Julie, she always says to me, how can you sleep with someone you don't know? I said, well, you do it all the time. <laughs> So th that was a clip on YouTube. Are you aware of the comments that you get on YouTube? A stupid question maybe, but some people read them, some people don't. You are an absolute twat if you go on YouTube and read your own <laughs> comments about yourself. <laughs> get a fucking life. What are you doing? Well, what person is doing this? Going on there. You, why don't you just kill yourself? It's such narcissism. You're going on there, watching clips of yourself, of you performing, and then reading what other people are writing about you. God, no. These people are twats. But that's... <laughs> <laughs> They're twats. But there's a strength there in not reading them, surely. I don't... In terms of listen, like... I don't read stuff about myself. Yeah. If you read the good stuff, you have to read the bad stuff. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, you're deluded. You cannot think you're great and you cannot think you're shit. The reality is, no, not everybody hates you. Not everybody loves you. Yeah. There is an in-between and there's a spectrum. Yeah. And, it, you know, I don't think anybody seriously feels good about themselves. No, but I think you're in the minority of comedians that no. don't look at comments, that don't look at comments about themselves. I, I really think you are. No. We, were, we were talking to we were talking to Matt Richardson um, on the first on the first episode of Psychomedy, and he was talking about getting a thousand um, comments after presenting Extra Factor, and he'd read every single one. Why? And, <laughs> well, I asked him that, and he oh, said, as you no. said, you see a you see a bad comment, you what you need to see five hundred good, good comments to make up for it. Listen, that is this that's a lot of what a lot of comedians do. I think you're in the minority. Do, do you not? No, so? after I'd been on Jonathan Ross, mm. I had my website crashed. Okay, <laughs> this is what happened. I was on tour in Manchester, mm. and I was driving down the motorway. Uh, somebody else was driving. I was in the car, and I kept my phone just blew up. It just was p pinging every microsecond. Mm. And I got this email from another comedian saying, your website's crashed. Somebody's tried to get on there to buy tickets for your show and it's crashed. And I saw all these comments on Twitter from people that had watched me on Jonathan Ross. And I swear there must have been two, three thousand comments, tweets. Yeah. I never saw one bad comment. Not one. Everybody was like, this is, um, this was, you were hilarious. This was amazing. 
But you, and, so and you looked you know, through. You did look through the comments. Well, so. I, I just my phone just kept pinging, and I just was reading what was coming through. But then I started looking for a bad comment because I thought this can't be. This can't be true. This can't be happening. <laughs> Because normally there's good and bad comments. So、mm. why am I getting all these great comments? I started looking for something bad, <laughs> and this is this is the danger: is that if you read good things, you then look for bad things to balance this out in your brain. Or if you read bad things,、mm. you're looking for good things to balance this out. I've heard it said that way around. I've never heard it say I'm looking for bad things. I about started looking for. I'm looking for a neg- ne- negative comment, and this is. Not good for you.、No. This is why you can't believe the hype. Why you can't?、Um, I never have ever reveled in great reviews or bad reviews. The bad、mm. reviews obviously have affected me most because they're people have said awful things about me over the years. Yeah, and I felt in the press. In the press, you in, mean in rather press, than rather than Twitter. Yes, in the press. Yeah. In broadsheet newspapers, when I first started comedy, the pressure on me to be amazing was huge,、yeah. and also the critics in Edinburgh were always white male,、mm. and I have never been reviewed by a black person. I have never been reviewed、uh, at that time. I was never reviewed、um, by a, 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 a nation person. Yeah, it was always white men, and I didn't know it at the time. But I know it now because we live in a different time now. But those white men wanted me to be a, a vessel、uh, for the, for me to talk about the things that they wanted to know about. So they wanted me to talk about nine eleven, arranged marriage, genital mutilation, all these things that I had no interest in doing jokes about.、Mm. But they wanted me to talk about those things, and when I didn't, I would get criticised. She's a shit comedian. What, I even had one review once that said she was a waste of a good Muslim. Sometimes the funniest reactions we get from comedians is when they can't actually remember the gig at all, as was the case with Nick Helm. So, Nick, <laughs> yeah, you are、uh, you are star of stage and screen. Oh, thank God you said that. I thought you were going to start with an insult. <laughs> <laughs> you are a prick of pricks. No, Nick. You are star of stage and screen, and、um, but perhaps you're best known for in 2017 coming second <laughs> in the world's best MC in the world competition. Yeah, a competition that I set up and in no way fixed. This was、um, I'm I'm saying this because I'm going to play in a little clip right at the top after your insomnia chat.、Um, So this was a、uh, spoof MC awards at the Edinburgh Fringe. Please Google this world's best MC award final. You'll see it as I I watch you on this. Here's my first admission. I watch you on this every couple of months, and I watch very little stand-up comedy, but I just loved your performance in this. It was、uh, fantastic. For those that don't know anything about this, which is everybody, we set up this spoof MC awards competition.、Uh, the main joke was it was MCs introducing each other, so they would be asking the same person. Then <laughs> names.、Um, in this case, the guy was Joe. He just kept being asked his name. So Joey Page, I think, introduced you, and I think this just epitomises you as a comedian. This was all improvised, and we get to see your bravado, but also like the anxiety, the desire to be loved, and you're just being very, very funny as always. So I just wanted to start with this clip. <laughs> What? <laughs> What are you laughing at? You. 
What are you laughing at? But did he do something to me when I came on? Why are you just staring at me? I'm not. I'm not being. I'm not joking. I'm not being funny. Why? Why? When I came out, Joey. Joey. You know, it was. You were meant to do five minutes and you did three. <laughs> What's your name? Sam. Where's Joe? <laughs> You're Joe. Fucking, I thought you were the candidate. <laughs> Nick. Hey, Nick. Just doing it. You're supposed to do five, not nine. I'm making up for you, mate. <laughs> I don't remember that at all. <laughs> I don't remember that at all. Oh my god. So who won? It was me. You won, yeah. And I me. came second. You did. It was a clap off. Right. But I I got to vote on who uh who won the clap off. Of course. Even though you may have been slightly louder of course, than me. Because we got plastic trophies. I got yes. a plastic trophy. I got a plastic trophy. You got no trophy. No, you... I got a plastic I think no, I stole yours then. Oh, you may have done. Cuz I've got my I cuz I know it was only like a spoof award ceremony, mm. but I've got that. Yeah. Plastic trophy next to all my real trophies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in a way, it's my favourite. <laughs> but in another way, it's the British Comedy Awards that's my favourite. As you know, the guests and I don't look at each other in the eye to encourage a more open, free association conversation. Many comedians don't like to listen back to themselves, and I can often sense they're squirming during the playback, as was the case with Laura Lex. Did anything particular come out of that in terms of people talking to you about those issues, or more than um, they had done before? Or Yeah, I, well, because it came out at the same time as I was doing an Edinburgh Hour, on a sort of full-length show called Trying at the time, which was all about my mental health, of the last couple of years and sort of how it had been affected by trying to have kids and uh. struggling to conceive a bit and how trying to conceive had really compounded this problem I was having with anxiety and worry and, and depression. And so I don't know, I, I guess a lot of people did get in touch off the back of BBC Ouch, but at the time there was just a lot of people getting in touch about a lot of things. So yeah. it's all a bit blurry in my head, but. Yeah. Well, should we have a listen in to that clip? started trying for a baby we got three months in and I was diagnosed with depression and generalized anxiety disorder and we found out that uh, my husband can't have children because of my personality <laughs> if you're making that noise now you're gonna be in trouble by the end of the show so, <laughs> I, uh, I did I, I got depression instead of a baby uh, it's uh, it turns out though depression and children very similar things actually all my friends have got kids now I've got a 22 month old depression and you cannot tell me apart from my new mum friends we're, we're all overtired we've all got stains on our clothes and none of us are as much fun at parties as we used to be I just go to quieter support groups <laughs> same padded play area though So uh, some people have trouble listening to themselves back. Are you one of those people or is it...? Uh... The saving grace with listening to that is you can hear how knackered my voice is from a month of Edinburgh. <laughs> so at least my brain is picking up and going, oh, it sounds a bit different. I do hate listening back to it. <laughs> how about particularly when you're talking about those kind of issues? It is really hard because sometimes I think I'm doing something important and sometimes I think I'm exploiting the worst thing that ever happened to me to get a career out of it and 
just varies as to how I feel about it that day. And I never quite know whether I've done the right thing or not. That's the difficult thing with having a mental health imbalance or whatever, I don't know what to call it, but mm. is that you never feel the same about it for more than 20 sodding minutes at a time. So one minute you're like, yay, I've done, I've done something with my career. And the next minute you're going, oh, maybe I would have been more popular or successful or happy if I'd just not brought that into my work. I don't know. You, you don't have yeah, the yeah. same feelings, do you? Joe Coffey talked about some of the challenges gigging whilst being disabled. But in the clip we played of her, she talked about how easier things were before, particularly in the 80s when everything was better. I'll tell you when I liked us. Back in the 1980s when we were allowed to be a little bit shit. <laughs> oh, there was none of this pressure of Game of Thrones then, was there? None of this para-bloody Olympics then, was there? All we'd do, Chris, is we'd go on Jeremy Beadle appearing a lift by surprise, wearing a stupid bloody hat, and people thought we were amazing. <laughs> Nowadays I have to fight a bloody dragon before I've even got out of that. <laughs> nice. Things were better in the 80s. They were, weren't they? Jeremy Beadle, etc. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> More it innocent times. Si it was a simple life then. Yeah. <laughs> I said more innocent times, but more guilty times. We didn't know they were guilty. <laughs> Simple bad times, but actually quite all right. Eric Lampere was one of the most fascinating guests we've had on Psychomedy. And if you haven't already, please go back and listen to his main episode and the episode we did in lockdown. The main episode has everything, mental health, homelessness, and of course, loads of laughs. Normally, during the interview, we'll play in one, maybe two clips. But with Eric, there was so much in his set at Camden Comedy, we ended up playing in four clips. This next bit is a bit longer than the others, but it really reveals the creative process of a comedian on top of his game. Shall we have a listen to how this interaction yeah, came about? The first interaction with Claudia now, or at least part of it, from about one minute into the gig. You're going to remember me one day. Maybe it'll be in ten years' time. Maybe it'll be in twenty. Bit, something will just be, oh my god, I remember this. I don't know why I'm going with this, but I'm sorry. I say whatever comes first in my head. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's brilliant. I haven't finished. I'm still here with you. That was a trick. When will I ever leave you? Do you think it's at the end of this gig? So, good questions. We're asking questions. Where are we? <laughs> she looks terrified. Good. Good, that's what I do. I choose one. I choose one and we eat her. We all hit her and we say, let's keep the secret, yes? <laughs> okay, so did she look... Did she... It's so <laughs> creepy. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> did she look terrified? Because I couldn't see her face through the whole gig. Well, uh, no, I think it was later on where okay. I, I gonna sensed... Okay, we're going to get to that. Yeah, I sensed that. that I was so taking it too far. Bit... No, okay. that, that, was, that was fun. It was One silly. minute in, she was just a little bit, yeah. And I think also when I... When I jump in sometimes straight away, yep. I can tell people going, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> and personally, I really like that mm. because it's memorable. You know, it's like, what, what is happening here that's different? Yeah. You know, and I, again, I admire all comedians, but I personally don't want to just be like, hey, middle of the ground, here's some jokes, yep. some stuff. Pers I don't personally want that. I want something different. Yeah. Like, and different 
sometimes fails. And but fuck, man, if you're not if you're not willing to take a risk as a performer, then what the fuck are you doing? Like personally, that is, yeah. you know, you know. And here, like the the comic after me, I won't name him, <laughs> uh, but he said something that I found interesting. There was a joke that didn't land of his, mm. and he said. Uh, uh, Eric's my friend, but uh, that last gig was provocative. I was going to mention that. And yeah. I found it interesting because um, even though he's right, he, he is right. I, I took a risk and it got creepy and weird. Mm. Um, firstly, uh, both comics before the break mentioned how the audience weren't very energetic. Yeah. So it wasn't new to highlight that this crowd maybe wasn't as top form as some people want them to be yeah uh, which is weird because you can never know what audiences will be like every audience is new and different so you have to you know mold yourself a little bit to them mm. while sticking to your own truth uh i've been on stage before where the comic before died you don't you do not come on as the next performer and go well that was shit mm. You're a team. We're a team. Indeed. That whole night is together. And, and I found it interesting that even though he was right, that I maybe did take it a little bit too far. Mm. It's your fucking responsibility, mate, to give it back. <laughs> it, and and, and I, I just found that quite interesting that there, uh, he chose to put some blame on me for his current present performance. <laughs> and it's like, well, isn't that life to, to deal with the cause and effect of the things that are happening around and before you? Like, and uh, even though he's right, and I do love him, and he's a very good comic, I found it interesting that he chose to do that. Yeah. And I felt like that was actually his self-defense mechanism mm. to go, I'm not happy with that joke. I'll put a little bit of blame on someone else. Indeed. And that, my friend, is weakness. <laughs> it was an interesting moment. But also, your gig was good. So I... It, no, it, it, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not unhappy with my gig. Yeah. There are elements to it that I'm happy with. There was yeah. some good bits of improv so he was that picking I was like, oh, lovely. He was picking on the... But also, being... I mean, you were there. Like, I did, <laughs> I did take some risks. Yeah, well, uh, we've, got, we've got a bit more of the interaction. So you actually go back to her six minutes in to kind of apologise for this opening <laughs> salvo. But in some ways, you might make it slightly worse with her. So let's have a li little listen to that. Just because even in the moment, I was like, don't snap out of the moment. You've, you're going with this, Eric. Improv is all about yes-anding. I'm yes-anding myself. I'm like, do the thing where it looks like you're about to kill her. And it really looked like actual fear. And I was like, oh, shit. Like, I'm never going to do this again. But I'm in it now. So I've got to murder her, right? <laughs> not, obviously not ever, but you never know. You never know. For the rest of your life, you'll always be like, is he? Is he? <laughs> is he? <laughs> okay. Are you, are, you, are you in control of what you're saying there, or is, are you just free associating? Free associating. Yeah, uh, okay. When I'm on stage, not all, again, not always, like the show that I'm working on yeah. is going to be actually quite scripted mm. uh, because I want to show people that I can create something that is very structured. Yeah. Uh, but for me, I get a lot of joy from just being present with them. Yeah. And, and just, and just being silly and being weird. And, and, and that was weird. Yeah. But I hope that there is enough intelligence in a crowd mm. 
to understand that there is a difference between the me on stage and the me in real life. Hmm. Um, well, absolutely, and the, la the laughter reflects that, that they wouldn't be laughing if it, it was genuinely uncomfortable for the well, audience. Well, she didn't laugh. She wasn't laughing. <laughs> she, she, there were some laughs. There was moments where like, I got her because of like an actual joke or whatever. Mm. But the, the interaction, she just wasn't going with. And I could have learned to just go, she's not into it. I'll pick on someone else or something. <laughs> but for some reason, I was like, ah, I've got to finish this mission. But also, don't you find, have you ever been in an audience where the comedian hasn't realized you're a comedian or before you did comedy? I think a lot of interactions are like that. I was in a, an audience before I did comedy and Phil Nickel, who I, who I love, was on stage. And then he started referring to me in the front row for no reason as the Italian paedophile. Oh, wow. Right. And <laughs> the whole audience was laughing. It was something and nothing. It was because I'd had a tan. And probably I was sitting there with a three-year-old I was going out with at the time. Right, right. But um, <laughs> the moment he, he, and he kept referring to it, it just ruined the gig for me because he kept referring to me as the Italian pedophile. So it right, may right, have right. been not that you were going too far. It may have been a lot of interactions. A lot of people don't. People come into gigs, don't they, and go, not the front row, not the front row, for that very reason. Yeah, they, yeah, don't, yeah. they don't like any interaction. So, but I don't think defense, that's it may, it may not have, you know, it may, you know, it's for the listener's um, view to, to, to their opinion whether you yeah, went yeah. too far or not, you know. Agre um, agreed. Um, and, you know, maybe I did, maybe I didn't. But because personally, I uh, think that people need to be challenged and mm. people need to just step out of their bubble and yeah. realise that there's some odd people out there and there's <laughs> some lovely people and there's some scary people. And, you know, like, just get out your bubble and... Uh, I find that being on stage, I always have the opportunity to say something that, you know, make people laugh. But if I can make people think about something somehow, yeah, you know, and maybe that wasn't that gig, but you know, the mm. although the David Attenborough thing, for example, I was, well, yeah. I was like, oh, that's actually a really sweet bit to actually. Let's explain. listen to that. Actually, let's listen to that yeah, because yeah. you. Um, you mentioned structure and what's beautiful about improvisation is when you get structure out of improvisation and it's magical. So this moment where you, um, we might not have the, the we, we not, might not have the bit of material actually because you, you might want to use that in, in well, future. Well, so we I'm definitely going to use but, it in the show, but yeah, I don't mind, I no, don't no, mind it's sharing fine. it. What, we, what we're going to play here is just the moment immediately, maybe immediately after that, or it, it does include some of the, um, some of your impression, which is very good. Let's have a listen anyway. And because uh, I think it's rather beautiful, actually. So you're welcome. You just witnessed the birth of a thing coming out of a brain. Look at it. Look at it. In a way, it's ours, isn't it? Because this whole show kind of started with the connection that we made. And from then, the cause and effect was the birth of this idea that we've made. The David Attenborough documentary, remember? What a life we're living together. I wanted to kill you, and now we've made life. <laughs> I mean, that's a beautiful moment. That is a really incredible, lovely bit of improvisation. And I hope at that moment she laughed. Tell me she did. Oh, yeah, bit. I think she did. I think she did. <laughs> and I, think we, I think we had a nice connection. But Indeed. She, she definitely was looking at me as if to say, please move on to something else. <laughs> you know, that was the look she was giving me. Yeah. Uh, which she, should, she deserved. I, I should have just read that better. <laughs> yeah. And we'll leave you today with Jake Yap. As he said in our conversation, he doesn't do much stand-up, and a lot of that traces back to a scathing review he got one year in Edinburgh. So Jake is known more now for his pre-recorded broadcast comedy. He's appeared on Radio 4 and 6 Music loads of times. 
And when we asked him to send us a clip he felt illustrated his work, he sent us this, but for surprising reasons. So yeah, in terms of these sketches, you know what? Let's have a listen to one. Love granola? Then you could love hosting a granola party for your friends and neighbors. Earn fantastic commissions selling granola from your own home. Hey, what's all this stuff? It's granola! You'll love it! Host your very own granola party. Sell granola and earn money in your spare time. Granola, oats, fruit, cash, and fun. And the milk's on us. Granola! <laughs> I chose that for a reason. Not because it's very funny. <laughs> Come on, you're not worthless. No, 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 but... That was worth something. I, I well, no, it wasn't worth much, but I chose <laughs> it because... So for two and a half years, I think three years, I did sketches on Sean Keaveney's Breakfast Show on Six Music. Mm. And the way it worked was each morning I get an email at about a quarter to seven saying, can we have sketches on this story, this story, and this story? Yeah. And I basically had rolling one-hour deadlines to write, voice edit and mix and deliver the final audio sketch. I chose that piece because it was the fastest turnaround of all the pieces I did. Mm. So what happened with that, Sean Keaveney and Matt Everett had been in the studio live. I was just listening to it on my radio <laughs> in my bedroom, spare bedroom. And they were talking about granola and saying something about, oh, we should be on commission for this, talking about granola or something, you know, mm. maybe we should sell it like, um, and summer's parties or, or something like that, Tupperware parties. Mm. And they put on a record. And in the duration of the record, which was three and a half, four minutes, I made that wow. and got it to them. And they played it out straight off the back of the next record. That's amazing. So it was like three and a half, four minutes I made that in. So yeah. as I say, it's not good, but at least it was over quickly, which you can apply quite liberally to everything I do. Uh, so there we go. That is the end of our Best of the Clips Clip Show Special Part 2. Psych Comedy is presented by me, Nathan Casty, Bachelor of Science in Psychology and produced by Mike Hansen. BA English for Pod People Productions. Theme music by Mike as well. Please rate and review the show, become a supporter if you like, and can afford just £5 a month on patreon.com slash Cassidy, where you'll get some exclusive content, including the pilot's episode with the wonderful Joe Jacobs. Thanks also once again to our partners at ThreadUp Counselling at threadup.co.uk. They're still offering free online mental health check-ins. So lots of love to you all. We will return with season two of our normal shows in August. But until then, see you for another special show next Friday.